Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, the Red Bull quest for a three-game winning streak falls short in Orlando. And now two key players take off for World Cup qualifying. The Shet Messing Daily Cast begins now. For the first time this season, they lose a game in which they score a goal. In the wind and rain in Orlando, the New York Red Bulls should have scored several more. In all fairness, so too could the Lions have in their 3-1 victory to stretch their undefeated streak to nine games. With Shet Messing, I'm Steve Cangelosi. This was a strange game, one in which the Red Bulls never wrapped their arms around and controlled. Their two-game winning streak has ended. Shep, what happened? I'll tell you, Steve, it was a, a strange game. And, and really, so often we talk about what happens when the team scores the first goal. I thought the first 20, 25 minutes of the game, Red Bulls were playing extremely well. They were pressuring Orlando in their own end. They were turning them over. They didn't give anything up, and, and I give them a victory for the first 25 minutes. But then you fall asleep, and they did fall asleep. Orlando comes down the right flank, beautiful cross into the box. Aaron Long is caught really between two players, Egbo late to get there as well, and bang. DK with a header, one nothing. Now you're chasing the game, and it was a game they had control for the first 20 25. Does a lineup formation after consecutive wins using four in the back come as a big surprise to you in this situation? Yes, yeah, Steve, it does. And, and, and again, look, it's easy for us to second guess. We're not in training every day. We're not in the locker room, but I'm second guessing. I mean, what in the world? I don't even know what they were playing. It looked like they played Kyle Duncan over on the right side in front of Egbo I would, I would guess that's to try and control Nani, which they didn't do. I thought Nani was the best player on the field. And Kyle Duncan, I thought, was lost. Every, every time he got the ball, he cut to the center of the field. So, you know, if, it, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And I never like to adjust to another team. Play the way you play and, and keep it going. This was the sixth game in charge for Red Bulls interim head coach Bradley Carnell, who saw some things that he liked and others like switching off at some key moments in the match that he did not. I thought uh, the guys played a hell of a game today. Uh, I thought we came out with a good plan. Uh, the first uh, 20 minutes uh, before the first goal, I thought we had a good couple of opportunities. Brian White goes 1v1, um, and we just failed to, to hit the target. And then uh, all of a sudden there's a stretch there where we get zapped. We just kind of get lifeless, lose one or two duels, and lost a fight. Um, and then you feel the swing and the momentum changing. Um, and then we just had a bit to do in our own minds with regards to that. Um, the game just gets a bit loose. We knew transition is their, their big weapon. Um, and it's disappointing to give, uh, give goals away up high on the field with, with the throwing uh, that we have. Uh, we can't secure the ball. And then they're off to the races on a transition and on a break. Yeah, I thought uh, we went toe-to-toe. Um, proud of the performance. Uh, yeah, there's work to do in terms of, yeah, just matching up to the physical qualities of that team. And uh, we knew going into it uh, that we had to bring the fight before anything else uh, we start with the ball. Um, and there we fell just short. But uh, credit to the boys. Um, 
they they put in a good effort second half especially and we kept on going we show we showed uh, you know the weapons that we have and what we can do especially late on in games so yeah listen i'm uh, i'm a little bit gutted uh, with the result um, and then on top of that now we lose kaku and christian caseras for the national team so which we wish them well um, and and hope they come back strong and healthy and positive We'll get to the loss of Kaku and Christian Caceres for at least the next four and possibly the next five games due to national team duty in a moment. But the loss of Tom Barlow to injury was such a downer, I think, for Red Bulls fans who watched him break through with a two-goal performance just a week earlier, Shep. They missed him in that game. Yeah, they really did. And, and look, we've talked about it all year. Who's going to be the guy up front that cements down that position? Tom Barlow, Brian White, Jorgensen. And Barlow had that monster game. Hey, look, he's been playing well. We talked about the shots he's getting, the chances. Finally, he gets a chance to put two away. That's a big blow. And again, not picking on Brian White, but against Orlando, he was invisible. One thing the Red Bulls had difficulty with, the physicality of some of Orlando's best players, such as DK. And then on Orlando City's second goal, Pondant could do very little to stop Junior Urso from doubling the lead. Here's what happened. Junior Urso, last man back, Pontoff. Junior Urso leaves him in his way, and he scores! And Orlando City have doubled their lead. Well, Shep, it was Pondant who was the victim on that play. I think fans were expecting and hoping for a more assertive performance by the Red Bulls defensively as a whole. It needed to be better yesterday. Yeah, I want to stick to that second goal for a moment, Steve, because I always like to go to the play behind the play uh, that that gives up the goal. So remember, Kaku had a corner kick far side of the field. He made the signal, played it short to Kyle Duncan. Kyle Duncan cut to the left, cut to the right, got trapped by three players, lost the throw-in. Bang! They're off and running. Florian Velo had a chance to foul. He didn't. And And so that starts with a corner kick where you've got all your big players up front and now they take the ball, turn it over, and go get a goal. I, look, Junior Urso, I thought, had a terrific game. Not just about the goals, but that is just, it's just something you can't do at this level. A bright spot for the Red Bulls in this game was Florian Valo, who becomes the fifth Red Bulls player to score multiple goals this season. And some carelessness by Orlando's Kamal Miller leads to the Red Bulls getting the goal that keeps them very much in striking distance. Velo trying to return. Velo got there and bounced off Daniel Royer. That came out of absolute nowhere. But that's exactly what the New York Red Bulls do. And they're right back in this game. City here. Miller with a just a really poor, care, uh, careless clearance. Something John Strong said on Fox, making that call, used to resonate much more strongly. That's what the Red Bulls do best, he said, in the aftermath of the goal. But the truth is they don't press the way they did two seasons ago. No, and Alexi Lalas during that broadcast was joking about it too. At halftime, he was pretty funny. He was saying, I miss the old Red Bulls. They don't, Steve. They, they really don't press again do they have the personnel to do it I, I don't know look what i'm optimistic about is this is a new regime for red bulls i have faith every time we talk about it in kevin Thelwell. he's going to make this his team whether it's a coach that's still rumored to be being brought in whether it's upheaval in the roster uh, I have full confidence. I'm excited about this regime. I'm not excited about the team on the field today, 
But I like that they finally made a move at the top, starting in Austria, to say, hey, I care about this team. I'm bringing in some people to manage this team. Kevin Thelwell the first. Now maybe the coach rumored to have coached his last game at Barnsley over the weekend. So I'm excited for the future. You just have to take what you could get right now. But I'm more than curious about the final eight games of this season as well. Just to tie up the loss in Orlando, in a two-to-one game, was Robin Janssen guilty of a handball which would have given New York the opportunity to level the match? I think absolutely not. And I'm the first one to go against the grain. He went to the ground, had his right arm tucked into his body, and the ball struck him. No way that's a penalty. I think the one that was more questionable was Royer. I, I thought, look, did he, did he embellish a little bit? I thought he got hacked on that play. For me, that's a penalty kick, not the handball. Subject for another day, something officials around the world need to do a better job with, computing stoppage time. Uh, no way there should have been four minutes posted at the 90-minute mark. And while the final whistle did not blow, until after 98 minutes ran off the clock. I actually, I have too much time on my hands. I actually <laughs> timed four and a half minutes of delays due to the Nani injury and the VAR check on Orlando's third goal. You don't have to comment here if you don't want to, but this happens around the world every weekend, and it mystifies me. It's the simplest thing in the world. Use your stopwatch, know exactly how much time a team should be allotted in their efforts to tie a game. Yeah, Steve, I do want to comment because it, it's infuriating to me as well. But I, I don't see the middle ground, right? You could either, like they do in college, the clock runs out, it's the end of the game. There's no stoppage time. But then stalling during the game gets rewarded, right? Then mm -hmm. if you go to stoppage time and the stopwatch, like you say, it's just never accurate. You're right. It's frustrating. But for me, the frustrating part for Red Bull fans and for us watching the game, the game's over. You've lost. And now we're sitting here watching a review of a play that, you know, clearly for me, the goal was going to stand mm -hmm. and, and, you know, put us out of a misery. <laughs> just make a call and end the game. Hey, how do they tackle the next four matches without two regulars in the midfield? Kaku is off to represent Paraguay in South American World Cup qualifying, Caceres to represent Venezuela. Carnell said something interesting the other day. He said, we don't approach matches the same way with Kaku not in the lineup. What do you think he means by that? Well, I think he, could, he means they could play a more physical game, not looking to play through Kaku. And, and look, in terms of the deep central defensive shape of the team, I think without Caceres, they're in good shape. They have Drew Yearwood. They have Florian Velo. Shertoski is now healthy. So, so they have players at that spot. The question is, to your point, different style of play without Kaku. Can Omir Fernandez step up? I'd like to see more of Ben Mines. Can Florian Velo step up into that number 10 position and then play Shertoski and Drew Yearwood as the holding midfielders, I think uh, I, I think he's got a lot of options. Bradley Carnell, we'll probably find out. I know we'll find out uh, the game coming up on Wednesday. Shatkovsky was reintroduced to the lineup as a sub at Orlando City. Sean Davis is getting closer. We don't have an exact timeline for his return. 
Ryan Mara got on the plane and was in Orlando, even though David Jensen got the start. Uh, this is now an interesting call for Bradley Carnell. If Mara's ready, I suspect they go to him Wednesday night to face Miami. Yeah, and, and look, Jensen made some big plays, but this would be the time to make the switch, right? You're not going to switch on a, on, a, on a winning streak. So, you know, you're at home. Uh, Ryan Mara ready to go. I, I would think, again, not just the physical play, but the leadership of Ryan Mara. It, it, he boisters the confidence of the defense. Uh, I, I would think so. I, I do want to mention that, that one player I thought had a good game was Tim Parker. I thought he looked sharp. I thought he looked crisp. Uh, he had a lot to deal with in terms of getting out wide to cover players, but I thought he looked good. The dust settles from the weekend now with the Red Bulls seventh overall in the table in the Eastern Conference. I think what we firmly established here is that we know what the top four is in the Eastern Conference. And that's not to say that any of those teams are unbeatable when we get to the colder weather in November and especially in a single elimination format. But what are we looking at here with a Red Bulls team right now on course to get to the playoffs for an 11th straight season? And that's not an achievement to sneeze at. There is some great value in that and how you've been somewhat competitive year after year after year. And obviously some years better than others. But what's the ceiling for this group? Do you have a handle on it yet as we get now into the meat of the month of October? Yeah, Steve, it's going to be an unusual take because I've been critical of the roster. I've been urging the shakeover, shakeup of the roster, which I'm, I'm sure Kevin Felwell uh, is thinking about right now. I'm encouraged by the future. I'm critical of the team, and yet I think they could win it all. This is a crazy season. Alexi Lawless was asked about Orlando City. He's not ready to count them as an elite team, but remember, no home field advantage, a short season, and one game, knockout. So, look, is it likely that they go far? No, but they're going to come into the playoffs, and we agree they're going to make the playoffs. They should nobody's going to consider them a risk. So they, they've got nothing to lose. It's house money. Exciting weekend in MLS and around the world. That's a wrap for this show. The Red Bulls dropping to seventh in the East after a 3-1 to loss at Orlando. We'll have much more on the next edition of Believe in Soccer. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.